Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on News Talk 96.5 on the Joe Cunningham Show. Glad to be with y'all today. Almost didn't make it on time. Uh, so when I, I leave the, the school I teach at, I come down, uh, start going up I-49, get onto I-10, got onto I-10 today from that ramp, and traffic was at a standstill. Not sure if it still is, but it was not moving at all. So being where I was, a nice little four-leaf clover of an, of an uh, interchange there, got back on, came back uh, down I-49 to where uh, to, toward Evangeline, turned onto Willow, came all the way down through Willow, hit every red light possible, uh, but I made it. Traffic out there uh, not looking great, which is kind of funny because it's going westbound right now. Coming eastbound earlier, it was so bad uh that people were having to find alternate routes. We have a story on that one. Uh, Ian put that up on kpel965.com a little while ago. Now we've got a standstill uh, going westbound. So I-10 is being its usual best self in terms of making sure everybody is as delayed as possible. 232-1542 if you want to call in and join in the conversation. And boy, are there some conversations to have today. I want to get to the... What I wrote at Red State today, uh, I, I put this up a little while ago. It it caught my attention more than anything else because you're going to see this in Georgia. Now, why am I talking about Georgia? Because this year, 2020, is going to be a very big year for the Republicans, provided they find the right candidates. And right now, Republicans in Georgia... Republican voters in Georgia seem to be lining up behind legendary uh, University of Georgia running back Herschel Walker, Heisman winner, statewide recognition. I mean, his name recognition is already there. There's nobody in Georgia who has followed Georgia football for any amount of time who doesn't know who Herschel Walker is. The problem for Herschel Walker is that he took a lot of blows playing football. He has a disassociative uh, identity disorder. He has a lot of mental disorders because of the shots to the head. And that has led to some problems for him. Uh, some violent episodes, police reports, uh, attempts at getting restraining orders, uh, women who had come forward saying that he had stalked them, that he had threatened violence against them, that he would cut their heads off, laid his hands on them, things like that. All this very negative stuff. It has been known in Republican circles in Georgia for a while now that this stuff would come out. And there are a lot of nervous Republicans in the Republican circles, the elected officials, and the consultants in Georgia, who are very worried about when this would all come out. And it actually has been dropped in an ad today by the Commissioner of Agriculture in Georgia, Gary Black. I bring this up because it's part of a larger thing that we're seeing brewing right now across the U.S. Right now, there are a lot of Trump-backed candidates that are in trouble. I don't think Herschel Walker is in trouble. The last poll saw him in a Republican primary up, fi up 58 points over Black, who was in second place. It was something like 66% of Republican voters preferred Walker, 8% preferred black and then the the rest the few others had even smaller numbers than that. So it's not like Walker's in trouble. Black's ad brings up it, it it portrays 
it, it portrays the scenario that what if Walker wins the Republican primary and then plays what would be a Democratic ad? So really, he's trying to be a little too clever in this ad by saying, oh, well, the reason you don't want to vote Herschel Walker is that this is what the Democrats would say and then play an ad saying all that, basically handing Democrats the opposition research. The problem is it's a very dark ad. It's a very brutal ad against Walker. And it's one that every Republican knew he was going to face going forward. It's good that it comes out now. Herschel Walker, who was running against Raphael Warnock, who just won election in 2020, losing to David Perdue, who, by the way, is now running against Brian Kemp in Georgia, despite the fact that Kemp is now leading in double digits, leading uh, Perdue by double digits in, in all the latest polling. Warnock is in a very weak position. He beat David Perdue because a lot of Republicans stayed home in the runoff in 2020. Warnock is in a very, very weak position, and Herschel Walker may be the guy to unseat him. But a lot of Republicans are worried that this kind of opposition research out there against Walker could tank his nomin or could tank his chances. But it's good that Gary Black is dropping this ad now. It's good that Republican groups are dropping this ad, these and these attacks right now, because the Walker campaign is absolutely going to face it when they're up against Warnock in the runoff or in the general election. And what you're going to find is that Walker, if he doesn't face these attacks now, is not going to be prepared when they come from Raphael Warnock's campaign later this year. This is a very good test for the Walker campaign. Walker has the potential to win by a solid majority in Georgia if, big if, he can survive this primary and none of these mental issues, mental disorders come out and do a whole lot of damage. But these are some pretty serious things. And it's not just police reports. It's not just media reports. Some of these were things written in Walker's own autobiography. These are things he admitted to. He admitted to his struggles with mental issues. He admitted to violent acts and being a junkie and all of these other things. These are all problems that he's admitted to. And again, we're in South Louisiana. Why is this important? It's important because Republicans are having to choose very carefully the candidates that they need to win in 2022. And in some cases, the candidates are very good. In some cases, cases like Herschel Walker, the candidates look good on paper, but have some issues. And then in some other cases, Republicans are leaning toward problematic, or well, I'm not saying Republicans are leaning toward problematic candidates, but in the case of, of Missouri, uh, where Eric Greitens is currently leading in the polling there. That's just a mistake by Republican voters. But there are Republican circles pushing bad candidates. And I want to talk about that when we come back here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5-232-1542, if you want to join in the conversation, all that and more after this break. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5-KPEL-232-1542. If you want to join in the conversation, you can also find me on Twitter, at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. And if you've missed any part of the show so far or want to catch up on previous episodes, 
Go in and uh, check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you might listen to your podcast. And if you don't listen to podcasts, I highly recommend you start by going and subscribing to ours, Acadiana's Morning News, Offsides, Moongrafon. We're all on podcast form. You can listen to our shows whenever you might miss them. So I mentioned Herschel Walker in the last segment. Trump endorsed, but not one of these Trump really heavily pushed candidates. But Donald Trump is making a play in 2022, and I'm trying to be as objective here as possible because I know that a lot of you listening are Trump fans. Here's the thing. There are several Trump-backed candidates right now that are Trump-backed because they are willing to push his belief on stolen election, everything in 2020. And it's not playing well with voters. A lot of these grudge candidates that he's got, that he's pushing, just are not doing well. His endorsed candidates have a risk of going zero for three in competitive Senate primaries this coming May. His strategy of pushing these grudges is probably the culprit here. From North Carolina to Alabama, Senate candidates are failing to capitalize on the Trump seal of approval. This according to uh, Josh Crashauer at the National Journal. Former North Carolina Governor Pat McCrory has weathered millions in outside attacks from Trump-allied Club for Growth and leads Trump-endorsed Representative Ted Budd in several publicly released polls. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp now leads former Senator David Perdue by double digits in multiple polls while holding a significant financial advantage down the home stretch. Purdue's not raising any money. And there are several Republicans that backed Purdue when he was running for Senate who are now with Brian Kemp. You also have Trump-endorsed Mo Brooks, who has underperformed so badly in Alabama's Senate race that Trump is now reportedly looking to switch his endorsement to one of Brooks's leading rivals. In June, there's several House races that will be tested in South Carolina. You've got Representatives Nancy Mace and Tom Rice who are facing off against Trump-backed candidates there. Mace's challenger is Katie Arrington. Mace is being endorsed by Nikki Haley, who used to work in the Trump administration, while Trump is backing Arrington and held a rally for her recently. Haley held a fundraiser for Mace last week. You also have Rice, who is currently in a more precarious shape. Trump could see a win there, but it's still a very tough race, still a very close race. The other issue here is that Trump's past praise of Vladimir Putin now appears to be coming back to bite several Republicans in the rear. Republicans who were very closely aligned with Trump, who spoke very highly and favorably of Trump and his policies, are now trying to backtrack away from Trump's statements on Putin. And it's very easy to get the Trump soundbite, get the Trump quote, and then ask one of these representatives who are now talking tough, or one of these Republicans who are now talking tough on Russia, saying, but hey, you were with Trump. Did you support him when he said these things then? And these Republicans are, uh, uh, I don't know. This is an issue for the Republican Party. There's a lot of intra-party fighting. And yes, the media is pushing a lot of that while ignoring intra-party fighting from the Democrats. The far-left progressive caucus in the House 
is still forcing the rest of the Democratic House further to the left. And it is alienating, like I mentioned yesterday, a lot of minority voters, particularly Hispanic voters. But the Republicans have to overcome their own desire to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory and come up with a winning strategy. Now, you had Senator Rick Scott of Florida, who released essentially a party platform ahead of these midterms, much to the chagrin of Mitch McConnell. You have some fighting uh, in the Republican political circles and on social media about this sort of idea. Do Republicans need to run out with a list of things that they support, endorse, etc.? And I will say that I've... I'm not always a fan of Mitch McConnell. Actually, very rarely in recent years have I been a fan of Mitch McConnell, but there is a a grudging respect there because the man knows how to win. The man has used Senate procedure masterfully to get what he wants done when there's a Republican majority and has been able to deftly evade anything the Democrats want to do when they have the majority. He's been able to fend off challengers from his right and his left very handily. Mitch McConnell knows how to win. And he's out there saying, no, we don't need a party platform for this midterm. You have virtually every poll, and he's right on this. You have every poll showing that everything the Democrats are doing, every issue out there, American voters are rejecting. So why would you want to go and say something that is uh, controversial say something that could alienate voters and risk chasing them back to the Democrats at a time when everybody's fleeing the Democrats. And McConnell, I think, is pretty right in this assessment. Republicans just need to say that they have a plan and that they are opposed to what the Biden plan has been, and they're going to reverse that as soon as they get power, and they're going to stop Biden from enacting any more of his plan, which is a pretty solid campaign strategy. Because you now have over a year of Biden's plan and nothing good has come from it. And that's what Mitch McConnell is hoping to capitalize on. And then you have Rick Scott's plan, which, among other things, does include a tax on the middle and lower class. By saying that everybody needs to pay their fair share in taxes, instead of it being the Democratic talking point of, well, the rich need to pay more, they need to pay their fair share, Rick Scott's talking point with the plan he proposed was essentially, hey, everybody from the poor to the rich need to be paying some kind of taxes. And if you're out there promoting a tax increase on the poor, well, guess what? Those voters that have been fleeing the Democratic Party are going to hear that and turn right back around, and it's going to keep the Democrats in the game in 2022. So you risk saying and doing things and pushing for policies that would chase voters back to the Democratic Party when you come up with a solidified plan. Strategically, it does not make sense. Now, yes, we want conviction. We want these ideas out there. And I'm not necessarily in disagreement with the idea that everybody needs to be paying taxes. But looking at the strategic importance of this midterm, Republicans need to realize, hey, let's not rock the boat. Let's let the Democrats keep rocking the boat. And you know what? The Democrats are rocking the boat. A bunch of polling out there, as I've been telling you guys for weeks and weeks since this show started, and even before that when I've been on the air for Katie Ann's Morning News and other shows, I've been telling you the polling 
is atrocious. American voters are fleeing in virtually every demographic. They are fleeing the Biden administration. And they're doing so because the Democrats scare them. What are the Democrats doing to scare people? Did you know that right now, Democratic voters, I'm sorry, the Democrats' progressive caucus in the House are actually releasing a plan. They are calling on the Biden administration to enact a new ban on oil drilling in the United States. Think about that. We have an energy crisis in the country and prices across the border going up. And the Biden administration is being pushed by the progressives in the House to ban drilling. This is insane behavior from the Democrats. The Progressive Caucus, I'm not sure, wants to win. I'm starting to believe there's a theory that a friend of mine had that both parties at this point want to be in the minority. Both parties want to be yelling from the minority rather than actually be in charge. It's crazy. 232-1542. I know we've got some callers who are joining in. We're going to take a quick news break, and we will be back at the bottom of the hour with more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. 232-1542. If you want to join in the conversation, some breaking news. Kamala Harris is delaying her trip to Sunset, Louisiana once again. Remember, she was supposed to come at the end of February, uh, then Putin decided to pull his little plea for attention in uh, in Europe. So that got delayed to this Friday, and she's pushed back again to Monday. So if you were expecting bad traffic because of security detail and everything on Friday and sunset, good news, it won't be then, but you will see it on Monday. So Kamala Harris coming to sunset on Monday rather than on Friday. Like I said, 232-1542, if you want to join in the conversation. In fact, we do have a caller on the line. Ronnie, thanks for joining us. How are you today? Uh, Joe, good show. I can't believe you teach and do this, too. That's, that's mind-blowing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, I'm, I know they're talking about raising taxes on the rich and raising taxes on the middle class and everybody mm-hmm. else, okay? But uh, I have a novel concept. Why don't they just stop spending and wasting our money? Yeah. No, then I- they want to raise taxes. That's, that's a perfectly reasonable suggestion. I, I said the same thing about this extra money that Baton Rouge has found itself with, that they already have plans to spend. Why, why do we have to spend that money? Why, well, why, exactly. Why, now, you know, the Department of Energy spends $242 billion a year, has approximately 116,000 employees, and their sole concept for being formed was to reduce our dependence on foreign oil. Mm-hmm. And when it was formed back in, the, back in probably 1977, I mean, we we had, we imported thirty percent of our foreign oil. Okay. Yeah. Now we import seventy th- percent. Uh, Why do we have those people? Why don't we save uh, save two hundred forty-two billion dollars a year less than lower our taxes? That's and that's, another thing, that's Kamala. Yeah. How much did that cost us, by the way? Oh, I do Changed not want mind to twice. Yeah, I I I don't even want to think about that. Uh, I don't want to they think about how much our cost. money. Yeah, I mean, that's that's yes, their sir. job. They waste they waste our money totally, and and if they would actually. Do something good with our money, be responsible with our money, be good stewards of our money, and they needed to raise taxes for something that was, you know, that we needed. Great. I, th- I don't think anybody could blame. But now, they, they're not held responsible for anything they do. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. It is. It's absolutely. And, you know, here's the, here's the interesting thing on it. 
the the House of Representatives has the power of the purse in the United States government. They're, they're, they're supposed to. They're supposed to. But they have spent decades now forfeiting that power over to the executive branch. And it's, it's much bigger than just the power of the purse on so many things that normally the legislature should have to draw up the rules on and come up with the laws and statutes for. They've just said, oh, yeah, the executive branch could come up with an agency for that. And they've yeah, delegated they their power blame out. for it. Yeah. That's why. Yeah, it, it is total political just passing the so buck. I think the American citizens just refuse to pay. If you raise their taxes, we're not paying them. You lower the amount of money you're spending. You're giving money to every country in the world. You can't even take care of our veterans, which I'm a veteran, by the way. But I have no problems. I'm, I'm very thankful. I'm very blessed. I'm good shape and everything else. But I know people are not. And we're giving money to every country in the world. We're not taking care of our country. Yeah. Absolutely, Ronnie. Right. And you know what? I, I'm, there's a lot of people probably think the same way I'm thinking right now, mm-hmm. and it's just, just a shame. Yeah, absolutely, Ronnie. Thank you very much for the call. Uh, thank you uh, for listening and calling in, and giving that great point. Two three two fifteen forty two. Anybody else wants to join in the conversation? And he's absolutely right. This is one of the strangest things. We want to talk about the taxes and the revenue and everything like that, but we don't want to talk about where all the money is going. And that's been a problem at the federal level. It's a problem at the state level. I mean, I could I could talk about that, or I could pull up any like any segment of Moon Grafon's show at any point and just play that for five minutes and guarantee you we're going to stumble across him talking about the money that's being wasted in Baton Rouge because he's absolutely right on it. We have the opportunity, we have the money coming into Baton Rouge, this this federal money, all this extra revenue and everything like that, and they've already dedicated it out. Some they're they're already planning to dedicate it out somewhere else. We're not using any of that money to build up what we've spent before. And that's that's the really bad thing on on the state level. Our budget balloons because we get federal money and we budget that in to recurring expenses. And then the federal money goes away. You see that, by the way, at the the city and parish level too. parish governments, city governments, they get money from the state and from the federal government and they budget that in. And then all of a sudden that state and federal money goes away, but they still have those expenditures. Because once the money is there, the government expects it to be there forever. They aren't really held accountable for how much they take in and how much they spend. It is mind-numbing. It really is. 232-1542, if you want to join in the conversation. By the way, you know what else is mind-numbing? On a completely different tangent. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of jarring the, the amount of whiplash we're going to have here. I need to just read you a quote. This is possibly the funniest quote I've read in politics in quite some time. Biden aides complained that Kirsten Cinema sounded more like Senator Mitt Romney than a Democrat. This is according to a book, This Will Not Pass, that's being written uh, by some reporters. Um, and the, there's kind of a sneak peek that's being given by Axios. This is hilarious. They, they're talking about Kirsten Cinema, and the fact that she is one of the basically two Democrats who's really uh, just stopped the Biden administration from getting its agenda passed. One person close to the president likened Biden's perplexity at, at cinema to his difficulty grasping his grandchildren's use of TikTok. He wanted to relate, but he just didn't quite get it. The authors wrote in the book, This Will Not Pass about the 2020 election in Biden's first year. In the spring of 2021, quote, 
She became the first ever lawmaker to argue with White House aides when they asked her to wear a face mask in the company of the president, repeatedly asking why that was necessary when she had been vaccinated. She also discouraged Biden from coming to Arizona after the president signed the COVID rescue plan in 2021. Here's the here's another great part. At a private fundraiser in Washington, D.C. with a Republican-heavy group of lobbyists, which hadn't been reported before, Kirsten Sinema portrayed herself as anti-tax and anti-government. She also mocked Biden while speaking warmly about House GOP leader Kevin McCarthy and even defending far-right Andy Biggs, who denied the election results and claimed Antifa had infiltrated the Capitol riot. Separately, Sinema told colleagues five or six other Senate Democratic moderates were hiding behind my skirt as she pushed back on the left. That is also mind-numbing. It is mind-numbing that you have this kind of reporting coming out, and, and, they're the, and this is a book written by a couple of Democrats, and it's going to be attacking Democrats like Cinema and like Joe Manchin for not getting on board with the Biden agenda. Because again, the Democrats really have nothing else right now they want to pass their agenda. They want to say they can do all these great environmental things and give you more money and all that stuff. But they are put they they, they will attack their own for not going left enough, despite the fact that every poll is showing that going too far left is exactly what's scaring the voters off in the first place. The Democrats' inability in Washington, DC to understand the problem is frankly appalling. Like it, it's clear the Democratic Party, the Biden administration on down, has forgotten politics. It's forgotten how to do politics. The number one goal of politicians is to get reelected. And they seem to have forgotten that rule. They're going all in on an agenda that is deeply unpopular. Yeah, the, the, the talking points poll rail. Do you believe in Build Back Better for America? Well, yeah, that polls very well. Do you believe in cutting energy production in the United States and becoming more dependent on foreign oil and foreign energy sources? Uh, no, I don't. Completely different. 232-1542. We're going to go ahead and take a break. I know we've got some callers on the line, but uh, feel free to call in. Let's take your calls in this last segment. What do you think about these issues here on the Joe Cunningham Show? News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL with you every afternoon from 3 to 4, 232-1542, if you want to join in the conversation. Some bad news out there. Actually, this may, uh, this may be an idea some of you might latch on to. It depends on how much you drive Ambassador and how much you get angry driving down Ambassador in other parts of the, of, the, of the city. Santa Barbara, California, is close to dubbing its sole Chick-fil-A a public nuisance due to long drive-through lines that often have cars filled with hungry customers backed into the street for hours at a time. The eatery, known for its waffle fries and chicken sandwiches, has had a restaurant in Santa Barbara since 2013, drawing a steady flow of patrons whose vehicles block nearby driveways and sidewalks and make city buses and emergency vehicles find other routes, according to city officials. Chick-fil-A's drive through lane heightens the odds of traffic collisions and pedestrians getting injured. At peak volume, the drive through blocks one lane of traffic for as much as 90 minutes on weekdays and for as much as 155 minutes on Saturdays, 
according to a city traffic report. So, Santa Barbara, California, wants to dub the Lord's Chicken a public nuisance because of long traffic lines. That seems, actually, to some people, fairly reasonable. They did a study uh, a couple years back. I can't remember exactly when, but they did a study, and they, they measured how long you're in a drive through line. And they, they asked two questions, or they, they did two studies on this. The first was the study of how long you're actually in a fast food chain's drive through line. The other study was which line felt like it went the quickest. The answer to both of those questions is Chick-fil-A. People felt that the Chick-fil-A fast food line, the, the drive through line, was the quickest line that they had been in among any fast food restaurant. But when you actually did a tally of the time people were in drive through lines, Chick-fil-A ranked at the top. But it's because Chick-fil-A has their system down to a freaking science. At the height of the pandemic, they have employees out there with iPads. They're taking your orders. They're charging your card right there. They're out in the street directing traffic. The joke, and I don't think it was that much of a joke, if you had put Chick-fil-A in charge of distributing masks, vaccines, any sort of COVID mitigation effort, the pandemic would have been over in a couple months. They have their system down to a science, and it's frankly impressive to see. But yes, those lines can get long. If you... uh, if you're on the north side of town, you're coming down uh, Louisiana toward I-10, Louisiana Avenue toward I-10, sometimes you will see just how long those lines are. If you try to go into that shopping center right there, you will see it's like a like a, uh, a snail shell, just the way it wraps around the building, kind of loops around that parking area. It is crazy. Like as soon as like school is out, in that area, you'll see long lines of cars. And the same way if you're going down, God help you if you're trying to go down Ambassador during peak uh, meal time, and Chick-fil-A is open because it is just, it's, it's impossible to use one lane of that road. Now, I mentioned uh, this story during the break, and uh, Mark producing said uh, Chick-fil-A too. Why is it the chicken places? It's always the chicken places. We love our fried chicken. 232-1542 if you want to join in the conversation. Um, I really, I want to go back to the, the, the Progressive Caucus is pushing for a new oil drilling ban. You know, the price of oil per barrel has gone down quite a bit, actually. But the price of gas is high. We are starting to see the price of gas dip little bits at a time, day to day now. It's going down much more slowly than it went up. But we're starting to see that go down a bit. Can you imagine what would happen, though, if the House, because of environmental concerns, pushes a new drilling ban and it goes through the House? Imagine it going through the Senate and getting to Joe Biden's desk. How nuts would that be? That would send prices right back through the roof and even higher. And it wouldn't be Putin's price hike. It would be because of the Democrats, the way it's been since the get-go. The problem is going to be the Democrats not... They're kind of going for broke at this point. They're going for broke on these issues. 
The environment is the big concern. So they're panicking about that. They want to do something about that. They, they're, thank God they're not doing anything. Uh, they got the, the, they voted, the Senate voted unanimously to keep daylight savings time permanent. It looks like it might clear the House. The Senate, with eight Democratic crossover votes, voted to get rid of masks on public transportation. Interestingly enough, Mitt Romney voted against that plan. Why? Well, he thinks that this should be left up to the health professionals. What health professionals? Fauci disappeared. He's not giving us guidance anymore. The health professionals are the ones that told us we needed to mask up all the time. The health professionals are the ones that told us we needed to keep kids out of schools. They told us we need to mask up the kids at all times. The health professionals have been telling us one thing after another that's proven to not be the case. But Mitt Romney believes that we should just leave it up to the health professionals. We shouldn't, legislators shouldn't get involved. The, the Senate shouldn't get involved. Politicians shouldn't get involved in making public health decisions. Meanwhile, Kirsten Cinema, Joe Manchin, Mark Kelly, other Democrats also crossed over to vote with Republicans on that Senate bill. Now, they probably won't get that passed in the House. Well, I don't know, because there's, there's polling that shows that Americans, Republican and Democrat, don't like masking on planes and on public transportation. They want to get rid of that. You might have the House crossover. The Biden administration is the one that's stubbornly holding on to it. It's just nuts how much the Democrats have clutched onto these things like the environmental thing and getting rid of drilling while we have this energy crisis, how much they held on to and, and clutched at the masking, despite the fact that none of the science supported it. It is strange. It really is just strange. I, I know I'm repeating myself in these things, but it is really hard to fathom just how bad at politics they've become in this. Now, speaking of bad at politics, what do you get for what do you get when you when the unions get political it's never anything good right so the AFL CIO put out this tweet that went viral today it was a bunch of their members or something holding up signs i stand with ukraine or whatever and it's these nice pretty blue and yellow signs you know to look like the ukrainian flag except their little Posters of the Ukraine flag were upside down. That's what you get for union work. That's what you get with union work. The uh, uh, Randy Weingarten, who is the head of the American Federation of Teachers, not only did the same thing in a tweet that she posted, but also misspelled Ukraine in a hashtag. The union, the head of the teachers unions, you know, the unions that lead the people who teach our kids misspelled Ukraine and did not know the right way to hold the Ukrainian flag. These are the people that lead us. And this is why it just makes you want to cry sometimes. It is incredible. This has been a truly a wonderful, uh, wonderful exercise in stupidity from our leaders. One last thing before we go. Got a, a few seconds left. Today is the one-year anniversary of the guy who went into Asian massage, massage parlors in Atlanta, Georgia and killed masseurs there. 
the media wants to bring that up as an anti-Asian hate, Asian violence thing, despite the fact that there was no racial motivation involved. They keep pushing these racial issues. That'll do it for me. I'll talk to you guys again in 23 hours here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5. KPEL, talk to you guys again soon.